Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to turn to God's word, but before that, we're going to do the confessions. And I want to welcome all of us that are here to participate in the worship service. I tell you, uh, I've never seen the church growing so fast. You know, God is at great work uh, in and through the Bethel AG. And I want to encourage all of you, you know, God is really at work and great miracles and blessings. This month we've been studying about blessings, right? We thank God for all that God is doing. Today, I want to take a character from the Bible and look at how the word blessings of Abraham is so important in understanding blessings. Why? Because the Bible says that God took away the curse of the law and gave us the blessings of Abraham. So what are the blessings of Abraham? Understanding the blessings of Abraham is important for you and me because we are going to walk in that blessings. And we're going to look at how that blessings actually translated in Abraham's life into real life experiences. So let's start with this, uh, the history of Abraham. In fact, Bible is the one document written book in which maximum history about Abraham is given uh, without contradiction, right? So God's word is the authentic source of that history. Abraham stands at the pinnacle of history for many reasons. And I, I say this as, a, as in terms of world history, because at least three major faith, three major religions in the world come from uh, Abraham. One is Christianity with about 1.6 billion people on the earth. The other is Islam with about about 1.2 billion Muslims on the earth and about 1.2 uh, million um, Jewish people on the earth. All of these three uh, religions trace back their story to Abraham, right? And um, uh, so when you talk about Christian history and Jewish history, uh, tracing back to Abraham, I, I want to take uh, from here and there, portions of Jewish history in the introduction so we understand what really God meant in what he said. So, this is what I'm telling you. The Bible says that Abraham's father's name was Terah. Okay? I'm not speaking Hindi. I'm just speaking the name of Father Abraham. Okay? <laughs> His father's name was Terah. <laughs> it's easy to remember, no? Now, uh, if, if someone asked Abraham, your father's name, he'll say, Tera. And imagine he giving such an answer in uh, some Hindi-speaking belt in India. It would have been quite interesting. So, Abraham's father's name was Tera. Now you remember, right? It's not difficult to remember. So, the Bible does not tell us more about Tera. But Jewish history says, Tera was a man who was very devout, with his children, very devout, God-fearing person who was popular in his culture for making idols. 
Okay? He would not do anything else except making idols. So if somebody is building a house and they need idols for their house, they would tell Tera and Tera would provide the gods and the goddesses and the idols of those gods and goddesses based on the requirement, whether made of wood or stone or some kind of metal. So Abraham's father Tera was a reputed family because of the kind of devotion they had. And according to Jewish history, Abraham also helped his father Terah in his uh, work and culture and business in the profession that they did. So Abraham worked and tried to help his father uh, because those days, you know, uh, life was like that. What the father does, son does. If father is a carpenter, son will be a carpenter. Grandson will be a carpenter. If father is a uh, some kind of a, you know, a skilled laborer, the son will also be that. That's how they had this uh, unfortunate systems of uh, divisions in the society based on work culture. So Abraham, and, and they considered it wrong if the children left their father's profession. In fact, if uh, children decided to change their house or they decided to change their work life or they decided to move away, it was considered a curse. It was not considered a blessing. It was a taboo. People could kill such uh, disobedient uh, people who violate their tradition. Uh, society could kill them by stoning them to death or casting them out of the society and they'll have no means to livelihood. So these were kind of things that were put as punitive, you know, uh, repairs, punishments on the people who, who dared to violate social norms. So Abraham was a devout guy who helped his father in the thing that his father was doing, which was to make idols and supply to houses or temples or wherever the requirement. In that situation, God Almighty appeared to Abraham. And said to him, Abraham, what you are, are doing is different from who I am. I am the almighty God. And if you will follow me, I will bless you. And so Abraham decided and he decided, I'm not going to follow my creation, the idols that I make, but I'm going to follow the revelation. I'm going to follow the a uh, big thing that I saw where God Almighty came down and, and I had that revelation. I'm going to follow that God. So he left. Let, let's look at the passage where God speaks to him. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 onwards. And the Lord said to Abram, see the spelling there, A-B-R-A-M. And the Lord said to Abram, because you know why I emphasized on that? A little later you will find his name changing into Abraham. Right? The ham came into the Brahm. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's interesting to see. And the Lord said to Abram, you see uh, how the spellings change and their meanings change. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family and go to the land that I will show you and I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Look, so verse 1, 2 and 3 is basically saying five things. God is telling Abraham, Abram at that time, Abram, you do two things and I'll do three things. God is saying to Abram, 
you do two things and i'll do three things what's the deal you do two things you have to leave some things and go somewhere right all you have to do is leave your traditions leave your father's house leave the business leave the things that were attached to that leave the place where you're living all right and go to where i'm going to lead you go to a place you haven't seen yet go into something that i'm going to take you i really feel in my heart god is right now speaking to some of you so strongly telling you when you are ready to leave and go god is ready to do three things from his part you do two things god does three things what are the three things god said he'll do number 1 i will bless you hallelujah god says buddy Abram I am going to bless you personally second I will make you a blessing to others you're going to become a blessing to others people who hang around you will be blessed and third I will fight those who fight you and will bless those who bless you three things God said I'll do for you one I'll bless you second I'll make your life a blessing for others and third I'll fight those who fight you and I'll bless those who support you. Wow. Two things you do Abram, you leave what I tell you to leave and go where I'm going to show you. Three things I'll do for you. I'll bless you. These are things in your previous profession you didn't have. I'll make you a blessing to others. These are things you desired but never happened. Third, those that fight against you. God says I'll be on your side and those who fight you will have no option but to fight me and guess who is going to win right that's not some military secret it doesn't require some rocket science iq if someone picks a fight with god you know for sure who's going to win god's side is going to win god says I'll take your side wow so why is it important to understand abrahamic blessings because The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 29 and I'm not reading it out for you but it says those who are in Christ Jesus are blessed with the blessings of Abraham those who are in Christ Jesus those who have followed Jesus those who have committed their life to the Lord Jesus have been given the blessings of Abraham so we need to understand how Abraham received those blessings number 1 he left his father's house which we just discussed which was against tradition in other words he left the knowledge of everything he knows for the unknown that he was going to learn wow god spoke to him saying if you are ready to leave the safety of what you know then i'm ready to take you into my safety over your life and show you the greatness of where i'm going to take you second He became a Hebrew. You all heard the word Hebrew, right? Hebrew. <laughs> From where did the word Hebrew come? Today in the world of history in the world of uh, politics, you know, they say Hindi people are Indian people, they say uh <coughs> Spanish people are South American people, they say uh, Arabic people are Middle Eastern people. So Hebrew people are Jewish people. Hebrew people are Jewish people but the word hebrew what's the etymology from where did the word hebrew come to the best of the words history 
Hebrew was not a blessed word. It was a curse word. Hebrew was a curse word. If somebody crossed a river, you know, they were cursed by saying you are a Hebrew because you're not supposed to cross a river. They considered rivers to be holy and etc. So they said crossing a river was, uh, you know, moving from one part of the world by crossing a river to another part of the world was actually a violation uh, of good mannerism. And so they would say you are cursed. In fact, even in our country, you know, crossing rivers was considered uh, some kind of a wrong thing. Uh, even today, some people do think like that. And recently, our prime minister had spoken against it, uh, saying that science has made us understand uh, that we don't have to believe in traditions that don't hold scientific values. Now, 5,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago, in the time of Abraham, this belief was so strong. So when people began to call Abraham a Hebrew, it's not like he was blessed. People were cursing him. They were saying, you are a cursed guy, you are a Hebrew, you crossed rivers, how dare you break traditions? But look, he was ready to follow God and was ready to cross anything where God called him. Third, he changed his name. Man, we all want the blessings of Abraham, right? I'm going to show you, the Bible says, you can have the blessings of Abraham only if you have the faith of Abraham. You see that? You have the blessing of Abraham only when you have the faith of Abraham. What was his faith? When God one day met with him and said, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to change your wife's name. Changing your name is easy, but changing wife's name is another ball game, right? <laughs> so God says to him, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to change your wife's name. Well, if Abraham was someone like me or like you, I guess we would have said, God, mine, I'll take care of my wife's, you talk to her. But look at this guy's leadership, right? He takes responsibilities for God over the whole family. And the Bible says, God said to Abram, from hereafter, you will not be called Abram, you'll be called Abraham. I'm changing your name into Abraham. The spelling of his name changed. Why? Because you're going to be a father of nations. And your wife is no longer going to be Sarai, but she's going to be Sarah, which means mother of nations, a princess. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says, Abraham believed God. Man, when you are about 90 plus years and your wife is 90 plus years and you could never have children and then God tells you, I'm changing your name, that you're going to have children. It takes a lot of faith at that age to believe that you're going to have children. He was persuaded in faith. Let's read that scripture, Romans chapter 4 verse 19 and 20. And the Holy Bible says in Romans chapter 4, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver. See that word, no, no unbelief made him waver. Hallelujah. Concerning the promise of God, he didn't waver, he didn't go up and down, he was stable in his faith and he grew strong in his faith. I think the word stable in faith is wrong. He grew, it was not stable, it was progressive faith. He grew strong in his faith 
as he gave glory to God. Look at something very important there. Gave glory to God is worship, praising God. Look, it was connected with faith. If worship and faith are not connected, it cannot be fruitful faith. It cannot be fruitful worship. Both have to be interconnected. Our praising God and worshiping God must be connected with our faith in God. Amen. His faith in God and he giving glory to God were interconnected. Now let's look at that scripture again. He did not weaken in his faith. Why was there an opportunity to weaken in faith? Because he considered his own body. Look, anybody who denies facts and says, I believe in God, therefore I deny the fact. Well, I don't know if it's an appropriate kind of attitude. Because the Bible does not say that Abraham denied his body. The Bible does not say Abraham ignored his condition. The Bible says Abraham considered his condition. He understood his condition. But the Bible says his faith did not weaken. He looked at his situation and said, my God is greater. My God's promise is greater. He did not allow his condition to ruin his faith in God. Hallelujah. There is no problem if you look at your condition. But don't keep staring at your condition. You can consider your condition. But look at somebody who is greater. He is greater. That is in you than the powers of the enemy in the world. He looked at the condition of his body and knew it was as bad as a dead body. But he said, I'm not going to live by the body I consider. I'm going to live by the faith I consider. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith and not by sight. When you see and consider, don't let it rule your faith. Let your faith rule over what may be visible. Wow. He did not consider the barrenness of Sarah's womb. 90-year-old lady. I mean, she can't conceive. The gynecologist in Egypt had already given them a report saying, go adopt children. You will never be able to give birth to children. But Abraham did not live by what he saw in Sarah. He lived by what he believed in God. When he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, he did not allow unbelief. He did not un allow unbelief. He didn't waver. What is wavering? Wavering means, you know, to shake, to change, like the waves of the sea, to come and go. Amplitudes, swinging between faith and no faith. Lot of faith and total unbelief. He didn't waver. He kept growing stronger and stronger because he kept giving glory to God. You want to grow in faith? Two things. One, have God's word. Second, have a lifestyle of worship. Take time to worship God. Adore his greatness. Spend time in his presence. God's word brings faith and worshiping God brings faith. Adoring God brings faith. Many people sing songs. Singing song is only a tool to worship God. Just because you're carrying a tool doesn't mean you've performed any function. You're carrying a screwdriver or a cutting player or you're carrying a plumbing tool or you're carrying a pickaxe to do something in the farm and you just stand carrying it. Does any work get done? No. 
No, you have to use the tool. Only then work gets done. Similarly, just singing a song or listening to some CD of a Christian song, it's not the same as worship. Worship is when you use that song, when you sing that song with the spirit of God in you to really worship God. When you use a song or you use music as a tool to worship God, that's when your faith becomes functional and that's when that song becomes used Otherwise, you're just entertaining your religion. Playing a Christian song is not the, you know, you're driving your car to your office or you're jogging in the morning with iPod, you know, you're listening to Christian music. That's not worship. That's good. Wonderful. You, 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 can't, you must do that instead of listening to garbage on the radio. Might as well listen to Christian music. But that is not the same as worshiping God. Right? That is just religious entertainment. That is just religious music. And that's good. That's not bad. But it does not have the effect of worshipping God. Worshipping God is when you use these tools to help you worship God. To help you connect with God. Abraham grew in his faith as he worshipped God with faith. Amen. Another time, you look at an example of how Abraham's faith was. Uh, let's say, uh, when, when Abraham had to sacrifice his son, one day God, you know, now Isaac is born. When Sarah was about 90 plus years old, she conceived and Abraham was 100 plus, And they had this child nowhere in the history of the human world. Have in human history, no woman above 90 years, go and check every scientific document. No woman has given birth to a child after she is 80 or 90 years old, except Sarah. No man has had his wife conceive except Abraham. Why? Because they believed in the promise of God. Hallelujah. The, I'm not saying whatever you believe will happen. I'm saying when your faith and God's promise are connected, when your faith and God's blessings are connected, it will happen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're believing something which is outside of God's blessed promise, it may, it may not happen. I don't know. But if it is within the blessing of God, and if you trust God for it and believe, it will happen. Wow. Faith alone you know, human mind is pretty powerful and God has put a lot of strength there. So some things are possible uh, just with your faith and with positive thinking. But the impossible will happen when your prayer is within the blessed plan of God and your faith has reached up to that level. Hallelujah. The Bible says now that Isaac, Isaac means laughter. When Isaac was born in Abraham's house, <laughs> it's a lot of joy and all that. And Abraham was, you know, enjoying his son Isaac because he's the child with God's promise. Probably by the time Isaac is a teenager, Abraham must be what, 110, 120 years old, uh, somewhere in that range. God tells Abraham, take Isaac, the son that you love, and offer him as a sacrifice on the mountain of Jerusalem. On those days, it was called Mount Moriah. Three days journey from where you are. Go and sacrifice your son. I'm telling you, man, sometimes God will tell you things that are painful and hard to digest or ingest. Whew. To kill my own son as a sacrifice? Abraham doesn't think twice. Or at least it's not written in the Bible that he thought twice. 
She straight away told her son, we're going for a sacrifice. Picked up his teenage boy. It's an assumption that he was teenaged by then, based on the history. Took him to Mount Moriah. Three days journey. Some people driving 25 kilometers to worship God is like, oh, it's so far. And you want Abraham's blessings, huh? <laughs> Three days journey on a donkey's back. No suspension wheels, nothing. Okay. Three days journey to worship God. <laughs> Three days journey to worship God. They walk up all the way to the mountain. And then Abraham ties up Isaac's hands and feet. Puts him on that rock. Picks up the knife, the sword. I have a feeling Abraham did it with tears in his eyes. I, I have a feeling Abraham did it while Isaac was asking, Really, dad? You're going to do this? But between the knife and the neck, between the blade of Abraham's knife and the neck of Isaac, God spoke. Sometimes God has this habit of surprising us at the last minute. God spoke and said, Abraham, don't you kill your son. But I have kept another lamb, another animal for the sacrifice. But you had to prove to yourself that you want to obey me. And you have. Untie your son. I can imagine the hasty, hurried way of releasing Isaac. Abraham released Isaac. Isaac and Abraham are looking for that lamb because God said he has provided it. They saw a lamb. They saw an animal that was locked in the thorns because its horns were stuck in it. I can imagine the speed with which Isaac ran and got on that ram, that goat, that sheep. Isaac caught it and he's holding it so tight. You know why? Because this is the animal because of which I am alive. This is the animal because of which I am alive. Isaac caught it, tied it. Wouldn't let it go. This is how you hold on to Jesus. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God. Because of his death, I have life. Hallelujah. Isaac held on to that Lamb. Like you and I ought to hold on to Jesus. He held on. Brought it to the stone. Now, it was not Abraham alone offering the sacrifice. It was Abraham and Isaac jointly worshipping God, offering the sacrifice. And then Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. What was he saying? He was saying, on the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide. Hallelujah. What did actually Abraham say? He just didn't say the half which we all say, God will provide. No, 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 no. Abraham didn't say just the half. Abraham said the full. You know what it is? It's not just God will provide. God will provide on this mountain. What was he saying? He was not just talking about material provisions of God. He was saying on this mountain, the real lamb of God is going to be provided by the father many years ahead. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus in the gospel of John looked at the Jewish fellows and said, your father Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. 
That's what the Lord Jesus was referring to. Your father Abraham saw my day. When did Abraham see Jesus? On the mountain. God gave him a revelation saying, that lamb you're sacrificing is symbolic. The true lamb, the son of God is going to be sacrificed. That's why Jesus was somebody Abraham saw. And Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide on this mountain. That's why when Jesus was crucified, he wasn't crucified in Springfield, USA. He wasn't crucified in Europe, Vatican. He wasn't crucified in some Asian culture. He was crucified on the mountain in Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where God said to Abraham, my son will be offered to you because you didn't hesitate to offer your son to me. I don't need your son, but you need Abraham. You need my son for your salvation. And Abraham saw Jesus on that mountain. Let's read it in the language of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise was in an act of offering up his only son of whom it was said through Isaac shall your offspring be named. But Abraham, he considered that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You ask Abraham, didn't all of God's blessing sort of funnel down, sort of get concentrated into Isaac? Without Isaac, how can you be blessed? The blessings and promises of God, how can it happen in your life without Isaac? Isn't he the one who inherits the promise of God? And now you're going to kill him on that stone. You're going to offer him as a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 11, the Holy Spirit says what Abraham was thinking when he took that knife to offer his son as a sacrifice. You know what he was thinking? He was thinking, after I finish the sacrifice, when my son has turned into ashes in the fire, my God is able to reassemble those ashes and bring back life like he created Adam and Eve from the dust. My God can bring Isaac back from the ashes. And I tell you, that faith that Abraham had is why God was able to bless him. Maybe your future, maybe your past, maybe your finances are looking like ashes today. But my God, God is the God of resurrection. What the devil puts to death, God brings back to life by his mighty power. Hallelujah. That's the faith Abraham was showing to God. When Abraham was climbing this side of the mountain, probably with tears in his eyes, holding Isaac, he was climbing the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham didn't know there were angels of God climbing the other side of the mountain with the Lamb of God that God had provided. Hallelujah. When you are on this side of the mountain in God's obedience, on the other side there is God's provision waiting to meet you at your point of obedience to God. Hallelujah. When you're walking this side of the mountain with tears, with pain, because you want to walk in the will of God, you're making those sacrifices. Don't worry, on the other side, something invisible to you is happening. God's provisions are coming up to meet you 
at your point of sacrificial obedience. Hmm. Now read Galatians chapter 3 verse 9. And the Bible says, So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Did you get that? So then, they which be of faith. Look, this kind of faith is what it takes to be blessed in the blessings of Abraham. Wow. So then, which be of faith are blessed with the blessings of Abraham. When you talk about these blessings and this faith, you know, Martin Luther was this uh, unusual priest in the Catholic Church. And he was a very sincere priest who was very sincere in his Catholic system. But, and he said, look man, what's going on? I mean, I, I'm reading the Bible and between the Bible and the Catholic Church, there is nothing common. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, protested against the Catholic Church saying, come back to the word of God. Do what the Bible says. How can you be against God's word? All of his theses of faith uh, sort of gets comprised into five simple Italian words or Latin words. And it's this. <laughs> Talking about faith. Number one, sola scriptura, by faith in God's word alone. By God's word alone. Second, sola fide, by faith alone. Which means your faith must have actions of faith. Your faith without work is dead. Your faith must express in lifestyle, in conversation, in the way you do things. Third, Sola gratia, by grace alone. Martin Luther, number four, said, Sola Christo, through Christ alone. And number five, Soli Dio Gloria, whatever you do, let it be to the glory of God. Five things that Martin Luther sort of boiled the concept of faith into, reviving or beginning the Protestant movement said these five things. Christian faith must be built on God's word alone, must be built on faith alone, must be built on grace of God alone, must be built only through Christ Jesus and must be a life which is only for the glory of God. I'm not preaching Protestantism, but I am preaching that if you and I want to walk in Galatians chapter 3 verse 9, the blessings of Abraham, then we have to walk in the faith of Abraham. God wants you and me to walk in the blessings of Abraham. Two things that you and I have to do. Leave what God wants us to leave and go where God wants us to go. And three things God will do. Minimum three things God will do. One, he will bless us. Hallelujah. Second, he'll make our life a blessing to others. And number three, he's going to make sure anyone who fights you will have to fight him because he takes our side. Hallelujah. We are going to be a blessing. And you will never be a headache to anybody else. You'll be a blessing to others. Why? Because God is making you a blessing to others. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Shall we say, Father, thank you for the life of Abraham, which was such a beautiful representation of what you want to do through us. 
Hallelujah. Irrespective of what denomination in Christianity, irrespective of what culture in Christianity, irrespective of what religion, the fact is God loves each of us and he cares for us. And the Holy Bible says, when you walk in the faith as Abraham believed God, you will walk in the blessings as God commanded over Abraham. Let's say, Father, I receive your word today. I believe your word today. I don't want to waver. I want to be progressive. Growing in faith. Growing in your grace. Growing in your word. Growing, giving glory to Christ alone. I love you today, Master. I commit my life to you, Holy Spirit. And I receive your grace in my life. Some of you who may be struggling you're hearing about blessings, but in your life, practically, you're not able to see it. You know, you're not able to see the blessings translated into practice in your life. Today, I believe the Lord was speaking to you. He was telling you with clarity, don't worry, I'm changing your life. I'm transforming your life. God is saying your healing, your financial breakthrough, your miracles are coming. Hallelujah, it is coming. Let there be nothing you love more than the God who gives everything. Let there be nothing you are committed to more than Christ whom you love. Abraham went into battles and he won every battle. Why? Because anyone who fought Abraham had to fight God and no one wins against God. Today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Let God be on your side. Walk in faith, walk in confidence, walk in that love, walk in that desire of God's word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Master. We worship you, Master. We thank you, Master. We glorify your name, O God. I pray for people that may be going through struggle, people that may be feeling curses on their life, people that may be feeling some kind of bondage. Today, let those bondages be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. I prophesy the goodness of God. I prophesy the covenant of the blood of Jesus upon every life. Thank you, Master. Those that are stuck in bondages, be released in the mighty name of Jesus. Those that are stuck in fears and anxiety, be released into the freedom of God in the name of Jesus. Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You have no authority to come near that which is chosen of God. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mighty power. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for changes. Thank you for transformation. Father, I pray these young people will live a victorious life. Hallelujah. Even as they are committed to you, even as they desire to see you, even as they desire to hear you, show them your way. Show them your grace. Give them your unusual wisdom to walk in the path of your call, in the love and mercy of your grace. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Let today be a day of victory for your children. Let these be weeks of abundant blessings for your children. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for speaking to us. We love you, Master. To you be all the glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and the people said, Amen. 
Amen. Love you. We're going to sing a song before we pray and close, but, but I have to say this. Stay in touch. Keep in touch. It's important that we stay in touch. Uh, pastors are here through the week and uh, do come over. We'll meet up and the Lord bless you abundantly. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. Please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.